No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Ken's Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kenslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. On the first episode of the Bears Essential Podcast, we will recap the 2019 Bears season and discuss our thoughts on Ryan Pace's off-season moves. This is the Bears Essential Podcast. We are very excited to be doing this journey with you guys, our listeners. And just to give you guys a little bit of insight to us, uh, I've known my co-host here, A-Dub, for 18 years. We went to college together, and our relationship really just evolved over sports. The first time we met him, we were debating sports in the hallway, going into classes and whatnot. And obviously the relationship has evolved into a brotherhood. And man, I, I'm definitely excited to be entering this uh, this podcast uh, journey with your brother. Man, tell the audience a little bit more about you, A-Dub. Yes, you and I have gone known each other for a long time, Prez, what, 18 years. And um, with that, you know, uh, we talked a lot about sports, you know, in general. So I like to analyze, you know, the Bears, you know, overall Chicago sports teams, but definitely I love to analyze the Bears. I like to talk about their strengths, you know, and what this team can do to, to get better down the road. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing, you, you bring up a really good point because when we look at the 2019 season that we're going to do this uh, eulogy on, it was a season that started with championship aspirations. And as we all know, it, it felt very short, felt uh, very flat. Uh, the, it started with week one. You had the whole city lit up and buzzed for that Packers-Bears showdown in week one, and we all see how that went, and the season just kind of went from there. So for us, we're, we're Chicagoans. We're huge sports fans here on this podcast, but we're going to keep it 100. We're going to keep it real with you guys. We're going to hit it with the good parts of the team, but we also going to talk to you guys about the bad and the ugly because we know that there's all type of mix when it comes to the Chicago Bears. So without further ado, let's get into this first episode of the Bears Central Podcast. Hey, Doug. Talk to him. What the hell happened in 2019 and what went wrong? And I'm going to let you go while I take a sip of this Prohibition Pilsner. Oh, yes, sir. Um, taking me a sip as well. You know, the Chicago Common style, man. Chestnut red. You know, it's a great beer here, man. Enjoying this. But what I think went wrong in that 88 season, you can pinpoint several things. But one point I'm going to point out right now is around our backfield. You know, we started the season off with Mike Davis, right? A guy was signed from Seattle on a $6 million two-year two, uh, two deal, and that did not pan out. So we pretty much had to go with our rookie, David Montgomery, you know, um, our draft pick out of Iowa State, who had a very good um, year, his junior year, um, coming out of there. Matter of fact, had a pretty good career there, you know? So we had to go with him to finish off the year. And with that, he mustered up 242 carries, 889 yards, Six TDs on 3.7 yards a carry, you know, started eight of 16 games, which is pretty solid. But the thing is, we're expecting a lot more from our backfield. Well, we definitely expect more for our top draft pick. That's the way I see that for sure. Absolutely. And it didn't pan out that way. You know, we put up a decent season, but wasn't enough for us. And then you look at Tariq Cohen, right? He started, you know, um, he was a guy who took on 64 carries for us, 
213 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, he must have 456 receiving yards and three TDs, but that wasn't nothing like his previous season, you know, where he pretty much um, had 444 rush yards with three TDs. And he also caught, what, 725 receiving yards with five TDs. So he pretty much took a step back. And um, losing, of course, you know, losing Jordan Howard was a big blow to us, you know, who must have 935 yards with nine TDs for us. So losing him was a big part of what we had going on. So we weren't able to replace that, you know, with uh, Tariq Cohen um, moving forward and also with David Montgomery also being in the backfield. So two, our running backs pretty much took a step back. Well, there's a couple of things that I wanted to unpack with what you said here, because I definitely be, agree with you, my man. Uh, the situation with Mike Davis will always be puzzling to me. They signed the guy on a two-year, $6 million contract, but then they don't utilize him. Uh, David Montgomery, in my opinion, I was expecting to see more. Uh, the kid had a great college career, as you alluded to, but the thing that I saw with a guy like that is he danced a little bit too much for me. When you look at him on tape, he had the happy feet. And now a lot of times we do know that that offensive line definitely didn't have the holes for him. And a lot of times before he even got the ball, he had two or three defenders that he had to maneuver. But my biggest thing with David Montgomery is I need to see more. And the Tariq Cohen situation, I think that was coaching and scheming. Because how do you go from one year when this guy was a, a dynamic weapon in your offense to last season we're trying to run this guy up the middle? He's five fucking six, man. W what are we doing? You got to be creative in a way to use a guy when you got a weapon like that. I mean, what you think about that? What I think about that is you're, you're definitely correct around that, but a lot of things center around Jordan Howell, right? His ability to do, get a lot of rush yards. And with that, we have Dave Montgomery who couldn't do the same thing, you know, to duplicate that. And one thing about Dave Montgomery that was a big asset that we thought coming to the season is what they were highlighting, the fact that he breaks a lot of tackles. Well, we didn't see that coming into the season as a rookie. I expect him to get better this coming season, but at that rookie season, you know, that was a challenge for us. No, you're right. Uh, the thing about it is with David Montgomery, his footwork and the ability to, to break tackles was the big thing that everybody was hyped up uh, when it came to him. Now, I will say this. The guy fought for yards. He, uh, he wasn't easy to break down in the, in, the, in the backfield. So one thing I did give him credit for is the fact that he was a tough uh, player. However, we just needed more production. I mean, he had less than four, point, uh, four yards per carry. Uh, so it's just it's a lot of areas there that I think that could have been better there with that running game. And also, too, let's just be honest. We're the Bears. We get off the bus running the fucking ball. So if we only run the ball effectively with that defense – we're dead in the water. Uh, so that's my biggest feedback when I look at that team. And I think we definitely underachieved our offense in 2019. And that was a big issue that I had with this team. And I'm going to be, yeah, and I'm going to go into it real quick, man, because you know I've been ready to fucking go in on Nagy. But I think he was the big part of the problem we are with that team. I mean, let's just be honest, hey, Dub. This started back in, in the preseason in the training camp when they trotted in all those fucking kickers. I mean, they brought like fucking 20 kickers into camp made a whole show of charade out of that situation, probably gave all those guys they brought in uh, mental issues because they kept showing them that 43-yard kick that Parkey missed over and over again, and they kept doing all the, the fuckery trying to get this kicking situation right. I mean, that, that shit to me was just, it was nonsense. It was a sideshow, and it was a distraction. It was every day they were so uber-focused on that missed kick against the Eagles. Guess what? Yeah, he, the, Parkey missed the kick. But guess what? You guys also kept trotting the guy out there which is another blunder, right? So Absolutely. I think that, yeah, the first thing I think they just made, they messed up on that kicking situation. Now, I like Panero. Don't get me wrong. 
Panero's solid, and I think the Heat might turn around, and I think he'll be a little bit better because he got hurt in the middle of the season. But my thing is, you can even tell when you were talking to Panero during the season that the mental stuff that they went through over that training camp with that kicking situation, it probably wore that kid down because it was just a lot. They, it was just a little too extra uh, for me in, in the sense that I just thought that Nagy was a little weird with the kicking situation. Now, one thing I am going to say about Nagy, super smart guy. He's got a swagger. He has the visor. I mean, the guy, I like him. But, however, he can be a little stubborn. And Bears fans, you know we probably all feel the same way when it comes to his play calling. Now, in, 20, uh, in 2018, the play calling and the, and the trick plays, that stuff worked. Well, guess what? In the NFL, teams have a thing where it's called film. So they watch film on the Bears. They got a feel for what they like to do you know, and the different formations and whatnot. So all that little trickery stuff that, you know, that worked in 2018, guess what? It didn't work in 2019. And so when I look at a guy like Nagy, I say, you know, he's creative. He knows how to draw up good plays. But is he a good play caller? I don't think so. There were a lot of situations during this 2019 season where Nagy refused to run the ball. So as A-Dub brought up a second ago about the fact of Mike Davis and how that didn't pan out. You bring this guy in here as a free agent to compete for uh, the running back spot, and he never carries the ball, right? Nagy refused to run the ball out of the eye formation. What is wrong with that? Like, when they did run the ball out of the eye formation, we moved the football. You saw David Montgomery do what he does best. But, again, Nagy just refused to run the ball for some reason. I don't know what the problem was with that. And let's just – be totally honest here, uh, A-Dub. The defense did take a step back in, in 2019. However, that defense was still solid, and we could have had won a lot more games if the play calling and the schemes had been basically tailored and basically allowed the defense to basically keep the offense in the games. That's just the way I see it. I mean, what do you see when it comes to that? On this defensive part of it, you know? Now, let's talk about that defense a little bit more, you know, because I hear your point on that, and I definitely second everything you shit around Nagy, you know. Um, but I want to touch a little bit on this defensive standpoint, you know. This defense, you know, was ranked pretty well in 2018. I believe top number one, number two team defense, you know. And we dropped from being number one, number two, you know, defensively to somewhere around number five, you know, in 2019, you know. And what we have no one else not mentioned is how our defense looked up against certain teams coming off a of bye week, you know. I believe coming off a bye week, we – didn't look so well against against um, Oakland Raiders, right? We came back, gave up like 24 points or so to Oakland Raiders. We didn't look good defensively that that game, you know? And I think we had meltdowns on the defensive end. And the one person we have not called out on the defensive end is Chuck Pagano, you know? He deserves some criticism here, you know? I get Nagy deserves some, but hey, we got to throw Chuck Pagano out there, you know, because um, I know coming from the Colts, he was very good there. It was Chuck Strong when he was going through the cancer treatment, things of that nature. And I'm still for Chuck Strong, you know, that hashtag, that hashtag, you know. And I still roll with it. But I think Chuck deserves some criticism, too, when his defense took a step back. So we got to look at that part of it as well, you know. We caused a lot of turnovers in 2018. Um, well, we had, what, 27 interceptions in 2017? Sorry, sorry, 2018. And then in 2019, when he mustered up 10 interceptions, you know. So our defense took, a, took some steps back, you know. And, yeah, uh, we, we, took a, we took a couple steps back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. And I was just going to say real quick, man, I was just going to, I was agreeing with what you were saying, but I think the thing is we knew that it was going to be a potential step back losing a Vic Fangio, 
who was like a freaking defensive guru and had those guys out there playing well. And and I'm still I still roll with uh, Pagano, but like you said, let's not take him off the hook here because he deserves to get some uh, some some arrows pointed his direction as well right now. Right, I know Hakeem Hicks is taking a lot of beat and taking a lot of uh, you know criti- not criticism, but I know Hicks was hurt. Right, got injured. Pretty much started only five games for us. That was a big blow too. But still, oh, yeah, you know, we got to be on point defensively and really put some good schemes in to get stops, timely stops, you know, at the right time frame. Those critical moments is what we lagged at, critical stops. Well, And I'll tell you this, because you brought up a hell of a point there. Hakeem Hicks, he proved his value to that defense when he was gone. Because when Hicks was out, you saw basically how teams were able to double and triple team and focus and key in on Khalil Mack, which then basically just turned him into just an ordinary player. And then you had Leonard Floyd on the opposite end of the field who couldn't get pressures. And he was he had multiple opportunities one-on-one to make plays, and he just did not make plays. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you don't have pressure, when you're not getting to the quarterback, guess what's happening? You're not creating that havoc. You're not creating those turnovers. Then you have a Kyle Fuller and you have Eddie Jackson who definitely have great ball skills, but then they're not getting those opportunities like they got in 2018 to basically get those balls the quarterbacks were throwing up because Khalil Mack and Hakeem Hicks were crushing the pocket, right? Right, exactly. And that pressure makes a big difference, right, with getting those interceptions, right? You're forcing the quarterback to throw the ball uncomfortably and make some mistakes. So we got to get that going back in 2020, you know, to where we put more pressure on that, on those quarterbacks. So I think those quarterbacks had a little bit too much time. And I'll tell you, at part times of the season, for some odd reason, our defense looked tired. Yeah, well, they did because they were on the field uh, the whole fucking game, it seems. There were so many three and outs with that offense. And, I mean, dude, you're you going to get me fired up on Nagy again, bro, because I'm telling you, man, I used to feel bad for that defense. They would come off the field in the times when they did force a turnover or they may get the team to punt, and then here's another three and out, and the defense is right back on the damn field again. You know, that that that's not, a, that's not helping the defense out. We have to sustain drives on offense, right? We have to run I agree the ball. With that part, but here's the other catch, though. You know, there are some games where it's just going to be a defensive, a defensive juggernaut game. You know, to where hey, the defense got to carry. You know, and there are going to be some games where it's going to be evenly balanced. But in some of those critical games, we need the defense. We need the defense at times because guess what? To me, the biggest asset of this team here is the defense, and then the offense is second. You know, just my oh. perspective on that piece. Oh, 100%. You, you know that this team is built around defense. I mean, look at, look at the way the team's built. Uh, for, for our fans out here, man, and the listeners, we know that the Bears, when you think about the history of this franchise, it's known for the defense. And this Bears defense in 2018, I thought was like one of the better defenses that we've seen in the NFL history. It wasn't to me as good as the 2006 defense, but it was still up there. I mean, they, those guys – yeah, they play ferocious. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Khalil Mack had something to prove that year, you know, um, coming from the Raiders. So <laughs> I really enjoyed watching him play that year. Dude, when he would come off that corner, I was like, man, you, you, you better give that quarterback four seconds because if you don't, Khalil Mack stripping that ball out of there, he's knocking that quarterback down. I mean, it was impressive to see that. Just that type a, of speed. Pure game changer, man. A pure game changer, you know. And you watch a guy like that, you know, play on the line, on the defensive line, you enjoy watching that. It just brings back memories of the good old defensive games that the Bears used to play, you know, um, in those early years, you know. You know, and, and just watching Khalil Mack being one of those guys, you can say, you know, who was reliable in 2018 for us and really done a good job at changing our defense, you know, identity. That was just awesome to see. 
No, I definitely agree. And I, I'll just tell you this, A-Dub, man. I, I really, really hope that Hakeem Hicks is able to make it through the season because him being back there and pushing that pocket in the middle, that's only going to make that job easier for Khalil Mack. But and also, we haven't even brought up the fact that Robert Quinn got picked up this offseason from the Cowboys. And he had 11 and a half sacks last season. And when I look at that acquisition like that, he's a pure upgrade over Leonard Floyd. And oh, so I, I totally agree with you. You know, having Robert Quinn, I mean, people don't talk about this, but in 2013 with St. Louis, didn't he muster up 19 sacks in that year? I mean, he had an incredible year. I mean, 11.5 sacks isn't bad on that Dallas team. You know, that's very good as well. But right. people don't realize how good he was in 2013, you know? So right. we can get a glimpse of that with this Bears defense. Uh, we're putting ourselves in a great position here, you know, with Quinn, um, with, with Hicks, and also with Mack. I mean, we can do some damage with that. Yeah, and let's not and let's not forget Roquan Smith. We're looking at you here, brother. We need you to be focused. We need you to be ready this season. You know, Roquan had some some personal issues that were going on last season, and I, I'm not going to dig into that on this podcast. But I'll just say this, Roquan, you got so much talent. We need you, brother. We need you to step up because we know what Danny T is going to do. Danny T is a dog, mm-hmm. but we need Roquan to step up. So for me, I see down that defense. He's the guy, he's that one that we need to, to do more because the talent's there. Absolutely. We're going to need that. We're going to need that. We're going to need this defense, you know, um, to do their, their job in the front line, of course, you know, in that secondary as well. You know, we can get them both on the same page. Oh, this defense can look back at being one of the top defensive um, coming to this year. Exactly. So one thing that I was going to say, too, just to our audience, you know, just to go back to Nagy just for a quick second, you know, and, I, and I'll just say this. Uh, I believe that Nagy can get the job done. I do think that he can ride the ship, but I think, what, 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 in my opinion, I just think that he can be stubborn. Um, I do like the fact that they shook up the uh, the offensive staff a bit. Uh, we got a new offensive coordinator in there. Uh, we got a new quarterback coach. Uh, so, and I think even to a new O line coach. So basically, they changed this whole staff up. The room is different. You have different voices in the quarterback's ears. So hopefully, you know, we, we see a little bit more here on that offensive side. But I'm telling you one thing that really ticked me off over the course of last season was just some of Nagy's puzzling moves that he would make uh, coaching decision-wise. Like, hey, Dub, I don't know if you remember that Chargers game when the Bears basically were, were driving to, to win the game, and we had 40-something seconds left on the clock, and Nagy decides to take a knee to melt the clock down to four seconds instead of running a couple plays to get the field goal kicker closer to maybe getting it more of a chip shot field goal. So then what happened in that situation was uh, Eddie Pinero ended up missing a kick. I think it went wide left or something along those lines. And when Nagy was questioned about it after the game, he was very defiant about it. Uh, he was in that situation where he just basically just said, well, what do I do? If I run the ball and we lose yards, then you guys are going to criticize me. Or if I, if I call a, run, a, a, a pass play and the quarterback gets sacked or we fumble the ball or whatnot, uh, then what do we do? And so my whole thing is you can't be so risk averse. Run the ball, get the damn kick more manageable, and let's win the game. Because I'll tell you one thing, that decision right there was just uh, so problematic to me because that made us become three and four on the season. And I feel like that's when we started to spiral out of control as far as uh, the season was concerned. So I would just say this, Nagy, we just need you to do a lot better, man. Hey, Doug, what what what'd you have for a questionable uh, decision on Nagy on the season? Because I'm telling you, that Chargers game, it really pissed me off. 
that Chargers game definitely was a, a tough loss that the Bears t- took, you know. But I keep going back to this game against the Oakland Raiders, you know. And I, I, the reason why I'm going back to this game because this is coming off a bye week, you know. And you expect your team to be ready after a bye week, you know. And during that game, I saw a lot of questionable things on all the counts, you know. It felt like we were on the same page. It felt like our defense wasn't ready. Uh, it just seems like our whole entire team just didn't have it. And we rely too much on our offense at, during that game, you know. And with that, our offensive guys started to make some mistakes because we put so much on them, you know. And um, I didn't like some of those questionable moves, um, you know, calls we were doing down there, you know, the, the couple three in and outs we had late that that pretty much hurt us down the road. We put ourselves in a very tough spot to where the, the Raiders were able to steal that game, you know. That was a game we were supposed to win, but I believe they stole it because of how we approached that game overall. And that starts with Nagy. We approached it the wrong way, you know. We should approach it from really, you know, uh, getting our backs really going trying to get them involved, and then also, you know, hitting some timely, you know, passes, you know, out there to Allen, you know, to, to Robinson, you know, and I think we didn't do a good job at handling it that way. Well, one thing I was going to say, because you bring up a good point, let's talk about real quick for our listeners, the fact that Nagy decided to bring the team out three days before a game in London. So the Oakland Raiders, they decided to come out to London almost a week before the game. So they had time to be acclimated to basically that long flight over to London, which I've taken that flight. That flight will take everything out of you, right? So the thing about it is they had time to get over the jet lag. They had time to get comfortable, to get their legs together, to just kind of just be comfortable with basically being, you know, over, you know, across the pond. Now, with Nagy, they decided to keep the team on their regular routine, and then they flew out later in that week. Well, guess what, A-Dub? That decision backfired because that team came out flat. I mean, listeners, you guys saw, we got hit in the mouth. Before we knew it, we were down two scores in that game. And, I mean, they made Derek Carr look like he was fucking Joe Montana out there. I'm like, who the hell is this quarterback? Because I'm like, he was killing us. He was carving us up. And it took for that team to come out of the halftime, uh, A-Dub, and really, you know, they had to, like, come back and try to make it some sort of a game. And you got to realize, too, Mitch uh, Trubisky was hurt. Uh, so we had the backup in that game. And I still thought we should have won that game without the backup, you know? It felt like we were just there on vacation. It looked like we started off there still on vacation, you know? Opposed to being prepared for a game. And that's what really hurted me watching that game there. I was like, wow, looks like we're still on vacation, you know? Yeah, well, it was that jet lag, and those guys just got punched in the mouth, and it took them a half of the football game to recover from that. But sometimes, and you know how it is in sports, when you don't wake up soon enough, guess what? It's game over. And uh, they still had a chance to win that game because I think what ended up happening was Daniel threw a pick uh, late in the fourth that kind of sealed it for us. So we actually had a chance to come back in that game, you know. So yes, we did. And that's the part I'm looking at right there, the last few plays, you know, how it turned out for us, right? We're very close in that game, you know, very close game at the end. We made it a very good game. And I think we took the league at one point in that game too, you know. We, we did. Yeah. We couldn't hold up. We couldn't hold up. And uh, we spent so much energy trying to get back into that game. And I think we, had we had a better first half, I think we probably would have sealed the deal with that game. No, I definitely agree. So one thing I was going to ask you, uh, A-Dub, in, in the way of, uh, of, of Nagy, right? So I've been very critical of him. Do you think that this guy can write the ship? Do you think that he's the coach that can basically get us where we need to go to as a team in a franchise? I think so, you know, and here's why I believe so, you know. Um, I got to throw some credit out here to Ryan Pace. I know we're going to talk about him in our next topic, um, but I got to throw some credit out there to what we've been doing as an organization, you know, to actually um, help Nagy out. 
And I think with that now, we're focusing on our line. That's one part of our offensive line. And I think adding a couple key pieces, you know, on the defensive end helps too. But the one thing I want to really pinpoint, you know, because I know it's going to be a topic, right, our quarterback situation, it's going to be something to look at. And I think now we have a little more depth than what we had before. And I think that's going to be very good for Nagy. I'm really high on um, David Montgomery. I believe he's going to show um, that he's impressive this coming year. I believe he's going to grow, show some development, um, what he can do to help us get better. I believe he's going to play a big part. I believe Cohen's going to um, bounce back. So I think we have some guys who I think really can believe in that we're going to help us do, down the road. And I think it all starts first with our defense. If our defense does its part, the offense, I think we can muster up and manage that process. I think Nagy can come up with some very good schemes to help us with that. But the one thing we cannot abandon this coming year, and you brought this up earlier, is the run game. We can scheme, can do great things. We can't run the football. Because now we're exactly. put in a situation to where now we have to throw the ball 50-plus times a game. And that's not good for our team to be throwing that many times, you know? No, because that's, that's a recipe for a disaster for us. Um, I think I agree with you too, A-Dub. I think overall, man, I mean, you look at that roster, the, the Bears have a lot of talent, man, on both sides of the field. Um, I think they're heading in the right direction with Nagy. I just think that I hope that with that retooling of the offensive staff, that maybe he delegates a little bit more, maybe allow some of the people to um, have more uh, insight um, into the game plans each week. Because I think he's a very intelligent guy. But I think he was doing too much last season. I think that he's going to have to delegate a little bit more and get other people involved. Because I'm going to say this, man. We got to get more production from that offensive side of the field, whether that's improve offensive line play. Uh, obviously, we need better quarterback play, which we're definitely going to get into um, on our next uh, pod. But there's a lot that we need to do on that offensive side of the field. Because let's just be honest, that offensive line last season was not good. Charles Leno at left tackle regressed. Kyle Long, basically, they waved him in the middle of the season because, you know, he wasn't the Kyle Long that we remember. Uh, they had the James Daniel and, uh, oh, my God, what's the uh, – and white hair. Uh, we had that weird switching of positions during the course of the season. So that offensive line was just in a state of just influx all season. So in my opinion, I feel like David Montgomery didn't have the fair chance to succeed. However, I agree with you, A-Dub. To me, I really think he's going to have a rebound, bounce-back season because the kid has talent. We just need to put a system in place where we're giving that kid the ball, but we're also running the ball and getting that offensive line to push the pocket a little bit because that was not there last season. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to put out one thing to you here. I think you've heard of this already. Juan Castillo, you know, um, Juan Castillo is going to be, you know, uh, pretty much our offensive line uh, coach. He was one of those individuals from the Eagles, right, from yep. 1998 to 2010, you know, where he made, what, nine playoff appearances and um, had a rushing of average of 1,850 yards and 12 touchdowns per season. Uh, so having him come on board, you know, to help us out with our offensive line, I think he's going to do different things to help out Charles Leno, who's our, um, our left tackle. Um, he's also going to help out um, Bobby Massey, who's our right tackle. I think he can help those guys turn things around because these guys are pretty good in 2018. They took some steps back, you know, um, coming to the 2019 season. So I think Juan Castillo is going to, is a big upgrade for us. I think he can help us if our line improves, right, um, and do some good things. This open up things up for David Montgomery to do his part, right? Because you need both. You got to go hand in hand. 
Got to have a good line. Got to have a good running game. So you can't have one without the other. It's, make it t- it's going to make it really tough. And I don't see Barry Sanders in our backfield right now. <laughs> you know, so I think having uh, <laughs> offensive line, you know, is going to really help us. And I think Juan Castillo can do very good dividends to help us out around that. Um, you mentioned one other thing I want to bring up really quickly was around Kyle Long being gone, right? It's a big blow yep. to us not having him. Yep. Um, but what I like the fact is that um, we do have another guy that might be able to, you know, uh, to help us out. Um, I think Jermaine, you know. Um, oh, Fetty. It's the battle for that right guard position. If he can get that right guard position and show us something, you know, I think that would be very helpful for our offensive line as well. Well, that's a good point, man, because I was going to key in on him in the next segment because you're right. Uh, I think he was a, a former uh, first-round draft pick of the Seahawks, and he was a low-risk, high-reward uh acquisition and I think that he's going to be able to come in there and get to get the job done because he's going to be keep competing against Rashad Coward and Rashad Coward was solid last season but I think if Fetty could definitely uh get the job done there and open up those holes that David Montgomery needs we just definitely need to show up that right side of the offensive line so that's that's definitely a good call out hey yeah, Dub, I'm gonna ask you oh go ahead what, what, what you going back to his regular position now so you know Jermaine had some struggles before you know in the past because they because he was drafted as offensive tackle yeah yep Yep. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Dub, when you look at this uh, 2020 upcoming season, what player do you look at? So we talked about David Montgomery. Uh, you know, we I talked about Roquan a little bit. What player, though, when you look at, do we need to basically step up for us to be able to return back to that prominence of that 2018 season that was probably the, one of the most fun seasons I've experienced as a Bear fan? Yeah, what I think needs to happen at this time frame is we're going to need to see more from Khalil Mack. People need to do more. I understand he's our leader. He's our, uh, our guy. He's the guy that our defense follows, you know. Going to need to see a little bit more from him, you know. Uh, he went ranking, you know, from being one of the um, pretty much to make the best guy defensively um, in 2018 to taking steps back to being probably a top five guy, you know. If he can turn us back into being that number one caliber guy on a defensive end and show some more improvement around that, and change this anchor of the team. He showed a lot of this in certain games, right? Critical games. He did show a lot of it, you know, with getting those strips, getting those key tackles. I want to see more. He did a lot of that in 2018. 2019, didn't see as much as I saw in 2018. So if we can get Khalil Mack to play his A game every game and not wear down, hopefully he doesn't get worn down by the fact that the offense didn't do too well last year. But if he doesn't get worn out, you know, I think him be a critical component to what we do going forward. You add Quinn to, this, to the mix, as you mentioned, Hicks with them. I mean, we get Mac to be Mac every game. There is no way I think, you know, um, we can't look as good as we did in 2018 um, defensively. Yeah, you know what, though? Uh, I agree with you uh, uh, on that point. Khalil Mack, we definitely need him to return back to the 2018 version because that 2018 version was disruptive. I mean, every time it seemed like the quarterback was going back to throw, he was in the backfield. He was stripping the ball. I mean, remember that that Packers game uh, from from that <laughs> from that season when he basically was late to camp. He basically, I don't, I think he might have practiced with the team once or twice on primetime TV. He comes out there, he runs the interception back for a touchdown. He has the strip sack. I mean, he let you guys know that he was there to play. He signed that largest contract in NFL history and came out there in the field and backed it up. But that's the guy we need to see here in 2020. So I agree with that a lot, Doug. He gets back to that point. We're in good shape, man. Like you said, we're in very good shape having him there. Oh, yeah, and I definitely. Think that's the, the good thing about having a guy like him, like we had when we had Erlacher, right? Having a, having a marquee player like him who's a game changer 
not just a guy out there, but a, a pure game changer, you know? Those mm-hmm. are hard to come by. But you have oh, them, yeah. you want to see that person utilize that skill set, that tenacity every game, you know? We can get that out of him. I'll tell you right now, I have no worries about this team, you know, um, what he can do and what he can bring to the table. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'd say my, my player is probably going to be Anthony Miller. Um, when I look at him, I look at a guy that has a ton of talent. Uh, he would be the perfect, you know, complement to Allen Robinson. My issue with, uh, with Anthony Miller, however, is there's a lot of times when he lines up incorrectly on the field. He has a lot of questionable penalties that he'll take, whether it's taunting, unsportsmanlike type things. And also, sometimes it just kind of feels like he doesn't know the playbook as well as he should. But the guy has a lot of this pure talent. But when you have a receiver on that team like Allen Robinson, who basically makes probably the most contested catches out of any receiver that I see in the league, and let's just be honest, they're quarterbacks that are throwing the ball to uh, Allen Robinson. The, the balls aren't very accurate most of the time. So the, we, we know what we have there with A-Rob. However, we need some receivers there that's going to complement him and help defenses to, to not be able to key on him so much. So when I look at Anthony Miller, I look at that rookie season when he has seven touchdowns. I mean, he didn't start many games that year. However, he showed the ability that he could get open, that he could catch the ball, and that he was elusive. However, I feel like in 2019, he took a step back. We saw Anthony Miller a lot of the early part of the season. He uh, didn't seem like he was uh, paying attention. He had a lot of concentration laps. And then, like I said, I mentioned, he didn't seem like he was into the playbook like he should have been. Now, he did go on a tear towards the end of the season to kind of finish up things. And we saw a glimpse of what he could be. I mean, he had the game where he had almost 200 yards receiving. I mean, that's the guy that we need to see here in 2020 because he has a ton of talent. We just need him to step up learn that playbook and let's 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 just get ready to roll anthony because man you 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 are that guy and we he's gonna be the key um going back to another reason why i'm always tough on Nagy is the sense and i don't know if you remember this a dub week 17 this we were playing for nothing at this point and Nagy decides to put anthony miller on a kickoff return and Anthony Miller basically re-injures his shoulder that basically he's had surgery on in the previous offseason, which he also had to have surgery on that shoulder again this offseason. So it just comes down to some of these baffling decisions that Nagy makes. And now, you know, you put this kid behind the eight ball because then now he's been spending all summer rehabbing another the shoulder injury. So, but that's my guy that I think we really need him to step up on offense. I totally agree with you with that standpoint. You know, and I think the part to make him step up even more that will help him is if we make Robinson a threat. Now, we can hurt Robinson as well by not going to him enough, right? And I think in the last part of the last season, you know, we felt some of that happening where we didn't go to Robinson enough. There were time frames I felt we should have threw him the ball 12, 13 times, and we failed to do that. So I think if we make Robinson a threat and cause the defense to want to shift over on him, that's fantastic because that's going to give, you know, um, our other wide up a chance to, to be great. You have a better season, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that part. To that, to those, to both of them playing together. But I think one is going to wash the hands of the other. You know, if we get them both to play well together. No, I, and I agree. And I and I'll tell you this because I agree with that. Down the stretch, we did not utilize a Rob like we should have. Uh, the first part of the season, a Rob was getting the ball. Uh, the second half of the season, uh, whether it was just uh, inaccuracy or just ineffectiveness at the quarterback position, but a Rob was not put in positions to succeed. Um, he still almost had 100 catches on the season, but I think, right. man, if, if they would have keyed on him, he could have put up some video game numbers. I mean, because he just has that kind of talent. 
I agree. And the one thing I'm going to throw out here for you as well that's also going to be important coming this season, and I hit it on it already earlier, I'm still high on David Montgomery because we're going to need him. We're not going to need David Montgomery this coming season. We are. We actually gave him the keys right now. We gave it to him. Um, he's our guy. He's the one we're going to ride. So we, we're going to need more from him this coming season. If we don't get that, we're going to be stuck with throwing that football awfully a lot, and that's going to be bad news for us. Yeah, that, it, it definitely will be. Well, you know what thing I was going to ask you? So, I mean, we, we talked a lot about, you know, people that need to step up on the team in 2020. And, you know, Ryan Pace, you're very problematic to me. You got me over here uh, drinking a beer on a, on a Sunday morning over here. <sighs> he, man, A-Dub, it's just tough when I look at this guy's track record, man. When, as a GM, I say he's done some good things. He had the crown jewel of that Khalil Mack uh, trade. Uh, but you can't live on your laurels for that for the rest of your career, man, because we we know the history of those first round picks that you made that all just did not pan out. So when you look at a, at a Ryan Pace, uh, A-Dub, what do you think that he did well this offseason? Wow. Thinking about this offseason, I have to say Ryan Pace has been listed to the fans. And two, I will say he's been analyzing the Bears as well, because one thing we were challenged with was one depth, right? We didn't have enough depth. And I mean, Deb, I can, we can look at the quarterback position, right? And say, okay, we put all our keys in Trubisky. We had no else that can take over after him, you know? We can look at that. So what'd he do? he go out and get Nick Foles, right? Someone who's been very good for the Eagles. And also must get a chip, get a championship out of that team as well. So having him come to our team is, we're putting Nick Foles in a situation where Nick can, can only come out as a winner. You know, no matter what happens, whether Nick sits on the bench, whether he stars, he comes out as a winner, you know? Because guess what? There's no pressure on Nick Foles. Pressure's on Mr. Bisky. So if Nick Foles can come in and get that job, you know, good job by Ryan Pace from having a, a, a backup quarterback to bring in another secondary quarterback who can help this team out. So I got to give him credit for that. The other thing I want to give him credit for is you mentioned earlier, the Robert Quinn, right? That was a good pick for 70 million. You know, the good thing about that pick, though, that people have not talked about with that Robert Quinn is that if it doesn't pan out, only 30 million of that 70 million is guaranteed. And that's important for, and that's important for Dallas. So, mm-hmm. like I said before, 2013 had those 19 sacks. And now, again, you partner with the uh, with Mac and um, Hicks. You put them in a very good position to, to do great with that. So, I do. I like that pick. I like that for our line. I think it's going to help our line for sure. That's a good point for listeners to think about. That, that $30 million in guarantees for Robert Quinn means that the Bears could get out of that contract in 2022. So, just something for you guys to keep in mind. Absolutely. And the one pick that I was critical of that I wasn't quite sure about was Jimmy Graham, right? Picking him up from Green Bay last year. Jimmy Graham must have 447 yards and three TDs, 60 targets, you know? And that's the least since his rookie season. He played with Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, as we all know. The great Aaron Rodgers. And all you can get is 447 yards and three TDs with Aaron Rodgers. So I wasn't quite sold on that, on that, on picking him up. Because we all drafted Cole Commit, you know? And the thing is, with drafting Cole Komet, we do need somebody to groom him, you know? And I think Jimmy Graham can groom Cole Komet. So that's what I was kind of happy about with it. I really didn't like the pick, but I did think about our rookie, you know, tight end coming on board, you know, about him being a mentor. And so far, what I've heard about this mentorship that Jimmy Graham has done for Cole is that he's actually been doing pretty good with them, teaching part of the game something that, you know, that's going to help Cole down the road. So I would take that for this year with having Jimmy Graham as a teacher, you know, as a teacher. And that could also help Cole maybe two years down the road to take over that spot. 
Well, so I'll say this, uh, Dub. Uh, I really do like uh, Cole Komet. Uh, I thought, I, and I've gone on record with saying that I thought that they drafted him a little too high. I thought that they could have gotten him a little bit maybe later in that second round. However, the kid's got a lot of talent, and I think he's going to be a good fit for the offense. However, the Bears are paying Jimmy Graham uh, two years, $16 million to come in and be this mentor that you mentioned. Man, that's a lot of money at that tight end position. And let's not forget, that Ryan Pace swung and missed on Trey Burton. And he threw four years, $32 million at Trey Burton. And we had to cut him. And a lot of times, you know, when you look at a Ryan Pace and people will say, oh, well, you know, he made this move and he made that move. Look at the fact that sometimes he's making moves to correct issues and errors that he created from the past. So you mentioned him going out and getting Nick Foles. He traded a fourth-round draft pick to do so. But why is it that he had to go out and get Nick Foles? You're right. We got Nick Foles when we dropped Mitch Trubisky. You know, we had to go out and do it to counter what we what happened with us with drafting Mitch Trubisky. And you know the talks around, right? You know the talks around when it come down to that draft class. You know, uh, <laughs> that, you know the KC's got one. Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we lost out on Watson. You know, who could have been with the team as well, uh, but. We didn't draft these guys, you know, and that was what um, some of the things that he did um, yeah. with that, and that hurt us with now drafting those guys. But because we didn't draft them, right, we got to move on, right, because yep. we, that sweepstakes is over. We missed yeah. it, we move yep. on. So getting foals, getting foals was, to me, was a, a big, a big um, bolster for us because guess what? If Mitch doesn't do well – You got we, the insurance policy. Out there. And yeah. Nick Foles is not afraid of the moment. And that's no. something we've seen with the Eagles. And – um. He made that Eagles, um, you know, team go, you know. And right now the Eagles didn't look so great without him. But, you know, he was a big part of what they did to get to that next step and win that championship. So Nick Foles, having him with our squad this coming year, you know, he knows the offense a little bit. You know, he has some experience with these guys. Um, I think he's going to do well. Instead of bringing someone in like a Cam Newton who has learned the entire playbook and everything else all over again, I think having Nick Foles fits this dynamic. He fits this dynamic a lot better than – some of these other quarterbacks that probably was on Atari was on the radar, you know? So I think with this, you know, this helps our team. You know, I'm not a, I mean, some people may not be a huge fan of Nick Foles, but I really am based upon how this team is structured and how Nagy likes to coach, right? With throwing this here, these trick plays, right? Trying to keep the um, opponents off balance, you know? And I think with this, Nick Foles fits into it. Well, and one thing I'm going to say, because you, man, you, I'm, you, you brought up some, so many good points. It's, those are some good nuggets there, Dub. I was going to say, so, when it comes to Nick Foles, you're right. He knows that system, right? And you also have coaching that's familiar with Nick Foles. So Correct. in that sense, it does give Nick Foles a little of a heads up on Nick. I mean, on, on Mitch. However, I view this Nick Foles uh, trade as more of like an insurance policy in case Mitch doesn't, you know, respond to the competition, right? I would have loved to see Cam Newton come in here. But to your point, in this COVID situation that's going on right now, you can't have a guy that's coming in where you have to teach him a whole entire offense without preseason games and sh a condensed training camp, right? So you have right. Nick Foles that knows this system. And the only thing that Nick Foles doesn't have that Mitch has is Mitch has chemistry with those receivers and those players in the locker room respect Mitch. So that's the only advantage that really Mitch has because you think about it. Nick's won a Super Bowl. He has big game experience. And he knows that offense. That's going to be really interesting to see how that one plays out. Absolutely. I want to go down another path with you, too, you know, um, on something else that Ryan Pace did very well this season. Um, and by the way, 
Cole Komet, you know, he was drafted 43 overall by the Bears, and he was our first pick that draft coming out of Notre Dame. He had 43 catches, 515 yards, and six TDs. So I'm uh, looking forward to see what he can bring to our table. I think, you know, some of our schemes like to use those tight ends, and I think he's going to get a lot of time out there to help us. But one of the things I want to bring up to you all that we talked about earlier is, again, sometimes the things that you need most isn't always exactly on the field playing. And I think Juan Castillo is one of those guys, you know, and bringing him on board to help this line, I still believe that this is going to really help. Because one thing we got to keep in mind about Charles Lino and um, Bobby uh, Massey last year, when they took steps back, we got to look at their overall grades they got last season. I mean, think about it, you know, if you haven't thought about this, think about this year. Lino had a 58.6 um, grading last year. Not good at all. Bobby had that a- was, That shit was trash. Right. And Bobby had a 63.2, you know? These guys all took steps back, you know, and that hurts, you know. So with the fact that Ryan Pace had this on his mind, right, is huge. It's huge. <laughs> hey, you know what? My guys had some success in 2018, and somehow things didn't work out for these same two guys last year. What can we do to fix them? Right. And I think having one come in with that is huge. So I do want to see how this takes off, you know, uh, moving forward. And I think um, that relationship right there with one uh, in our line, we're going to really take a quick look at that throughout the season about how that's looking, how our guys are progressing. Because if they are, we're going to start to see a couple of things open up, right? Those trick plays with David Montgomery and, um, you know, out there, Tariq Cohen out there. We're going to start to see some things open up in that backfield. If that can happen that way, that is a win. And let's make sure we keep tabs on one throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too, because Nagy's even gone on record and basically just says that, hey, look, um, I think he's going to be the big upgrade that's going to help increase that run game because there were so many times last season when the media would ask Nagy, like, about the – uh, inefficiency with the running game and he would always say yeah yeah you know I know we we, we got to do better we got to do better but it was always like it almost seemed like he didn't have the answer or the solution to what they could do to run the ball better so I'm hoping that Castillo could come in here with a better blocking scheme and open up some holes for Montgomery but also I want to make sure that Nagy is utilizing Tariq Cohen in situations where he can actually thrive I think that's going to be the key but this offseason for uh, for uh, for a pace, in my opinion, I give him like a C plus. Um, I did like the Robert Quinn signing. I hated the Jimmy Graham signing. Like I just really, really hated that signing because it's like you already made the blunder with Burton, as I brought up earlier. You also drafted Adam Shaheen. I mean, that was a second round pick that just mm-hmm. basically never amounted to anything, right? And we had what ten tight ends on the roster at one point. We, we've just made a mess of this tight end position. We did. And I think one thing I don't want us to get caught up with, right, is judging uh, Ryan Pace on past performance, right, of what happened two years ago, three years ago, to now what we're doing now. I want to judge these things based on year by year, right? And I think what he did at the time from when we drafted Trubisky, at that time frame, you know, we can criticize that move at that point, right? But now we're past that. So I want to see what he's done for this year coming to this season to try to help this team get better. And this year, I'm going to grade him a B. I'm going to give him a B to a B plus this year, you know? For the offseason. A couple things. I'll stick with a B. I'll give him a strong B. I'll give him a B. I'm going to stick with a B. And the thing is – Are you a – real quick, are you grading on the curve or is that a real B? B? Kind of great on the curve, you know. Great <laughs> on the curve, you know. We give him a curve on this, right? We give him a curve here, you know. So I'll give him a little bit, a B on this in on this here, you know, because he recognized the areas of opportunities on the team, and when you recognize that, that what those critical areas are, you do something to fix them, right? 
And you're right. Our tight end play didn't give us a lot last year. Um, our line didn't give us a lot last year. You know, we struggled there. We took steps back. But he took the time to do something about that, you know. And I think that, to me, gives him a, a B, you know. And that Quinn signing, I, I'm really high on it if it pans out very well for us. I'm, I really am. And I'm hoping it does. You know, if that works for us, it's going to be a boost for pace. If it doesn't, of course, you know, the criticism is coming, right? But what I yep. see on paper, I think that's going well for him to have this get this job done in the back scenes of things on paper. Well, I'll just say this, my man. The pass, uh, it basically, in, in my opinion, we, we have to judge him for his past because his past has put us in these predicaments that we're in right now. But I will give you props and say, I'm going to give the guy one more shot here. I'm going to give him this season and see what these moves that he made and how they pan out, right? Because, man, I want to see them succeed just like I know you want them to succeed and just like how our fans want them to succeed. But at the same time, man, we got to hold this guy accountable, man. There's just been so many things with him that just really pissed me off. I just wish that the way he drafts in the middle rounds, he could do that with those first-round picks. I mean, the guy's been able to draft second, third-round picks, like, so well. But he just misses on his first-round picks. It's I just... agree with that. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> is, I'm not sure what he sees in these draft picks, you know, early on or who's in his ear to give him this kind of guidance on who he wants. But I know when, when Pace has his mindset on a certain guy, he goes after that guy, you know? Yep. And I hope he gets it right in the first rounds, early rounds, where we get those draft picks around that, what you mentioned. If we can get him to draft well in, in, the, in, the, in that time frame, I think that'll be a good point for us to see down the road. But I agree with you on one thing here, is that just because I gave him a grade of a B doesn't mean he's off the hot seat. Made some good moves here, but they also got to pan out. If yep. they don't pan out, next year we'll be talking about how do we grade this team from last year and the moves that were made. So right now, the moves being made right now, they look pretty good the way they're made right now. But at the end of the day, these guys have to execute. If they don't execute, it falls on who? Pace, Nagy, Pagano. And they out. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say, uh, I really like the, the drafting of that Jalen Johnson, that cornerback out of Utah. Uh, yeah. So, you, so you, you talked about Cole Komet, which I think he's going to be solid. But that Jalen Johnson – I think he's going to be able to – man, I just hate that the fact that there's not going to be a preseason because I think that's going to be a disadvantage for a rookie coming into the league. But I think that kid's got a lot of talent. And I think he's going to be – in the future, he's going to be great opposite of Kyle Fuller because he's a ball hawk. Yeah, it's kind of tough not seeing these guys get a chance, the opportunity, you know, because I think um, the preseason is a good time for him to tune up, right, to see what's going on, to tune up a little bit. And I think not seeing him play right now, is have me hold back on a little bit of a judgment on the guy, you know? I'm like holding back just a little bit of a judgment on him because I really want to see him out there, you know? And yeah, um, I yeah. want to see what kind of value he can bring to the team for us, you know, out there in the field. And I think he's a very good pick. I really do. Um, but I want to see him out there. I really do. To see how he, how he um, works with this unit. Yeah, man. But I, I think, to be honest with you, you get a guy like that, he's going to come in, I think, right away. It's going to be a great for this, for this team. I mean, because think about it. That's secondary. You got... Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson. And Bojack, that dude is a stud, man. He is a stud. And, and I'm glad that he'll be returning back to his normal position where he could go back to being a disruptor and, and making plays out there in that secondary. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens with that. Uh, as far as Ryan Pace being on the hot seat, I wanted to touch on that real quick with you because I definitely agree with you. He is definitely on the hot seat. I mean, I think he's on the hottest of hot seats. I'm not going to touch on the 
the Mitch draft situation because that's child's play at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's still a touchy subject. It's still t- for us Chicago fans and you know, yeah. the Bears. That is still a touchy subject when we talk about Mitch Trubisky, Watson. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh that hurts, man. It just hurts. <laughs> you know, we're MVP, you know, Mahomes, MVP, yeah. Mahomes. You know, we oh, got all that money. See, worth every penny in my eyes. But yep, half a billion, half a billion. Over us because we had a chance to get either of those two guys, you know? Yep. So I think he's on the hot seat, man. I mean, he, he hasn't been able to land any of that top talent in the first round of drafts. Like I said, I still think his reputation is mostly because of the Khalil Mack trade, which don't get me wrong. Awesome trade. I remember when he made the acquisition, I thought it was a joke. Uh, I didn't think that the, the Bears would make that type of a deal. And But we're also wasting years of Khalil Mack's prime right now. We have to get this ship back on track. We have a generational talent. And we cannot allow this guy to keep just getting older and older. And we don't put a team around him to be able to have success. So when I look at this team, I look at the fact that Ryan Pace, I hope this offseason and what he did with retooling that culture staff with Nagy and the draft picks that they got at some of those acquisitions. Hopefully these guys could come in here and just add things to the puzzle here because we really need it, man. We really need it. Because I think that NFC North, I think we could compete, but everything has to align correctly in order for us to get to that point. Absolutely. And the one underlying factor that none of us touched on really was about this 2019 season. What's the schedule? 2018 schedule wasn't as hard, you know, as it was in 2019. That schedule made a big difference because the teams we faced, you know, they had a lot to offer. I mean, very competitive year. And to go eight and eight, a lot of critics actually had us at that point based upon the competition we're faced with. And I'm not saying that's, that should be the all the be all to everything, but that is one of the small factors to take a look at as well, who we faced last year and versus who we're going to face this year, how much those teams have, have improved or, uh, uh, or um, digressed. That, that's a good call out because that 2019 uh, schedule, let's just be honest, that's, that was a tough schedule. I mean, look at those teams we played down the stretch. We had the Chiefs on the schedule, for Christ's sake. I mean, and they came in there and they beat our – I mean, we could even beat their B squad. That was tough to watch. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. That that schedule was uh, – it was tougher. It was definitely a tougher schedule. But, like I said, I still think that there were a lot of opportunities where we left points and wins on the field. And I think that in the 2020 season, as we get closer here in this podcast of, you know, digging a little bit deeper into what's going on with training camp and these position battles and whatnot, we want to just basically give our audience and you guys just basically more insight into how we think the, the – Bears can get this shit back on track. So, I mean, this has been a really fun episode, our, our opening episode here the Bears Central's podcast. Man, this was a good one. A-Dub, go ahead and sign us off, my man. I want to thank you all for um, listening to the Bears Essential podcast. We will be releasing episodes weekly on all things Chicago Bears. So, Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Thank you. Peace. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. 
They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.